but yeah, that yep. So that's like the first thing. Like you, as soon as you get off the plane, you're like, okay, toilets are definitely not what I expected, which would really mess up a lot of people. <laughs> um, how do how do no people kind of yeah? It's like I'm I'm already running into some uh, barriers here. Like do uh, I've always I've, I've always kind of wondered this myself. This is kind of a question just from uh, top of my head. Do the Japanese public treat you like either better or worse because you are, you know, I, I think the correct term is a gaijin? Gaikokujin. Gaikokujin, okay. Is, it, is, is there like a noticeable difference or are they very welcoming people? Uh, they try to be welcoming, but there are times when uh, it can be a little startling for them. But there, there's no any, there's not any outward hostility or <laughs> anything like that. No, no giant robots knocking on your door at 3 a.m. You know, we have to have an honor battle. <laughs> nah, not so much. That would be exciting, though. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know a lot of the other uh, fan holes would like to ask you some questions. I want to go ahead and throw it to some of them. Uh, hey, Derek, why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, hit up Kevin for his knowledge of the uh, Japanese culture. So how did you end up uh, coming to live in Japan currently, Kevin? Uh, it was kind of an accident. I went to visit my, my ex-girlfriend, and she was teaching English in southern Japan. I thought it was cool, but so I was going to look for a teaching job, but never actually expected to get one. But I did. I found a company that uh, has employed me to this day. got my visa. I got an apartment signed a, a year-long contract it was all set and then a few months later my girlfriend dumped me so that, that was fun not always the uh, best circumstances but that, but I mean you are thriving in your uh, experiences though I know you have a uh, pretty good job where you're at right now you are a teacher correct that's right awesome awesome Kevin so like what is it like being a collector in Japan is it like a lot different than um when you were a collector in America, are you easier to find a lot, lot better toys there? Are they cheaper? They're certainly not cheaper, <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's dangerous. Uh, when you first get here, you'll be surprised at just how much merch there is for whatever it is you're into, uh, especially if you're into a popular series like Naruto or, hey, God help you, Gundam. Uh, <laughs> right. stuff is everywhere. I mean, it's not just in the huge toy and hobby stores. Uh, places like uh, convenience stores or even grocery stores, they all have little things to feed your, your hobby. You know, you can kind of lose track of how much some of these things cost. Yeah. Um, when I visited, there was a 7-Eleven, like, two blocks from the hotel we were staying at. And uh, at a, when I first got there, I had a hard time finding anything Transformer-related. At this convenience store, they did have, like, a lot of Gundam models and stuff, so sort of out of desperation in the first few days, I ended up picking up some of the Gundam stuff just because I couldn't find any robots I liked. It's funny. Like, I keep imagining, like, going into a 7-Eleven and, like, next to the slushy machine, there's, like, you know, a Zaku or something. <laughs> uh, you'll find a lot more Zakus than you will slushy machines. Uh, <laughs> uh, Japanese 7-Elevens have uh, discontinued the slushy. Slurpee, yeah. I wanted to ask Kevin, um, I heard, is this, would you say this is true? Someone once told me that, like, 
uh, Shar Aznavol over there is like equivalent to like Darth Vader over here. <laughs> You're not wrong, but women like him, so he's more like Johnny Depp than Darth Vader. <laughs> he's like he's like James Bond. He's he, he's got a following. That Shaw uh, Aznavol, he's not that impressive. <laughs> My horrible Sean Connery, sorry. <laughs> No, you'll see Char's stuff everywhere. Um, the same 7-Eleven had a promotion where the, the big lucky draw prize was a replica of Char's helmet. That's pretty cool. I, I, I remember reading something where they said uh, that someone got a trip, you know, to go into space or whatever, like, you know, a, a real, like, trip to go on a space shuttle, like the first, you know, commercial trip into space or something, and he dressed up like Char or something like that. <laughs> I, I remember reading that, so I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. Dedication. You had to, you had to feel the character. <laughs> I'd wear a Char mask to work, and, like, I would act like nothing was wrong, and, like, people would be, you know, what's with that? And I'd be like, what's with what? My buddy was always, it would always ask me, because I, I really got into Gundam when I was in, like, I think right after I got out of college, probably. And uh, one of my buddies, who was my neighbor, would always come over, and every once in a while he'd watch some of the stuff with me. But he'd always go, why does he have a mask? You know, like, is his face mangled? I'm like, no. He's like, so why does he have it? You know, and he was all kind of irate about that. And I'm all, well, why does anybody have a mask? He's just hiding his identity. Like, I guess that perspective of, you know, the same thing where people go, glasses, fool people, you know, like, masks, fool people, you know, so like... You know, but it's just one of those things, I guess. He is the Red Comet, so three times as fast. I know, right? You cannot, you cannot deny his abilities. I think something we're kind of curious about, and not to bring the podcast down from a little bit of uh, the more fun-hearted stuff we talk about. There, unfortunately, was a really big thing that happened to Japan. We all know about the uh, earthquake and tsunami, and <clears throat> we're just uh, kind of curious. You know, you've told us off, you know and about talking online that, you know, you're doing well and everything like that. But, I mean, as a whole, how has the crisis affected, like, you know, everyday life in Japan? Well, the, the nice thing is we're, we're getting back to normal slowly but surely. The big way that it's going to be affecting everyone is just about everyone's electric bills are going to be going up by between maybe 5 and $10 a month as they continue working on the power plants and trying to get a few of the other power plants up to date so this doesn't happen again. Smokers were kind of out of luck for a little while because there were shortages of a lot of cigarettes from that area, as well as a few of the more popular breweries got hit. So we're paying more for our bills, and the smokers and drinkers are having a hard time. But Right now, even that's... Drinking, Justin's like on his knees going, No! <laughs> <laughs> But the really interesting thing was, this isn't like Haiti or very rural China. Uh, this was happening in Japan. So everyone has, you know, high-quality camera phones or even just really good uh, video cameras. So we had unbelievable footage of this terrible tragedy, and it was just shown constantly, like in the news, uh, on like the huge screens in the shopping areas. Uh, the front page of every newspaper for, I mean, even now. And 
there was a, a paper written that said that a lot of the population of Japan was suffering symptoms of uh, PTSD just because of the exposure to just constant uh, videos of the disaster. Yeah, yeah kind of like uh, kind of like after 9/11, they kept repainting it so much people were just kind of you know shocked because they kept on having to see it every time they watched the news. I guess. Yeah, it's one thing to live through it, but I cannot imagine like how horrible it is to relive it all the time. You know, you're like. Yeah. Okay, this has happened. I'm trying to move on with my life and do the best I can. Okay, I'm seeing it again, and I live through this. This is horrible. Yeah, I can understand how that would take a really huge toll on people. And Was anyone that you know personally, like, directly affected by it? Um, personally, Any friends no, or students? but there was a foreign teacher who uh, didn't make it. Oh, she, she died... Um, making sure that her students uh, got away. Wow. <laughs> and we just not... keep getting more and more stories um, out of there. There was a story in the news just last week about um, an elementary school had to do their uh, opening ceremonies even though 80% um, of the teachers had died and 70% wow. of the students. Jeez. Yeah. I mean... I, I don't want to make this sound flippant and, you know, easy to, like, you know, say. But at the same time, I mean, I can tell you right now, I think every one of us and everybody in America totally, totally hopes for the best for Japan. I mean, that's a horrible thing to, like, go through. It's a tragic thing that nobody could have saw coming. And, you know... I mean, our hearts are with you. I, I, I mean, my, me, myself, I never lived in Japan. I have to be honest, I don't even really have any Japanese friends. I have a few Chinese friends, a few Korean friends. But even though I'm disconnected in a way, that was such a horrible thing. If you don't have any sympathy or at least a little bit of empathy for it, then I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I hope you hope you're doing well, and I hope everybody in the country is able to uh, strive forward and I mean I that's one thing I've always admired about Japan they've always been really good at surviving and adapting and you know being able to rise above such you know tumultuous tragedies yeah thank you everyone is really pulled together here um, Brian you were in Japan you've seen how many uh, different uh, convenience stores there are Right. So there was a 7-Eleven two blocks from your hotel, but I mean, there's a 7-Eleven two blocks from every other 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. And each one of them has raised like $10,000 for the cleanup effort. That was awesome. That was really cool. Yep. There are uh, uh, posters going up everywhere with people working on the towns that translate to, uh, we're going to fix this place better than it ever was. Uh, there's no reported cases of like rioting or looting or anything like that. So, kind of proud to be here. Yeah, that well, seems like it's a good positive. Uh, I mean, you know, reaction to to the situation. I know when I when I first heard about it, I I have a few friends who are Japanese, but they all live in uh, in America. So honestly, like you were the first person I thought of, Kevin, when I heard the news. So I was kind of, I you know, at the time I was kind of just thinking in terms of bot talk, but I was definitely thinking like, 
I hope smooth is okay, you know, because I didn't know all the details of the situation or anything at that point. It was just like the first time the the news had broke over here that I had heard of it. So I was definitely, you know, you were definitely in my thoughts when when that happened. Yeah, thank you. I think we should all take a minute and think about people over there who have lost their lives and all that, and <clears throat> just pray for the best. Not being flippant, but I would like to uh, move on a little bit just so we can, you know, maybe lighten the mood a little bit, kind of getting everybody in a little bit better mood who's listening to our podcast. Uh, if anybody wants to, though, there are Red Cross centers available who are taking donations and everything like that. Please look them up. Do your part. If you can help out, just, you know, help out our, our neighbors to the east. I mean, they've done some, a lot of cool stuff with us, so pay them back a little bit. Show them, show them some uh, appreciation. Uh, speaking of that, um, <laughs> to try to do a decent transition and not sound too callous, but just because we are a uh, fan-based podcast and we do talk about Transformers a lot, how would you say, sir, Transformers are perceived in Japan? You know, it's, it's interesting. For the longest time, they were perceived the same way as uh, like, like we view GoBots. You know, they were the other, <laughs> the other giant robots. You know, behind uh, uh, Gundam. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed. I was talking about my my friends from Japan. I noticed one of my good buddies, Tim Kono. I, I would always go and hang out with him, and he was the first person who ever exposed me to any Gundam at all. And I, I remember talking to him about like Optimus Prime, and sometimes I would have him come over, and uh, I would get these raw VHS tapes of. Um, of laser disc grips of the Japanese headmaster series. And I'd kind of ask him like, what are they saying? Like what's going on and stuff like that. And he'd just kind of be like, ah, oh, it's not that complicated. But I always, <laughs> I always remember him saying like, Oh yeah, you mean, you know, that, uh, you know, he, he basically always kind of compared Optimus Prime to a Gundam, you know, just kind of the way his mouth, <laughs> you know, to him, he was like some, you know, some Gundam rip off, you know, essentially, I guess. So, so I can totally see, uh, see that being the perception well i think the funny thing is though and and please correct me if i am wrong but transformers obviously are made by uh, takara but <clears throat> gobot amusingly enough came from a line called machine robo in japan which is made by bandai which is a, pretty much one of the biggest toy manufacturers in japan if i'm not correct yeah, that's right yeah, so, like, actually, Machine Robo is actually probably more popular than Transformers. There was a time that was true, but oh, thanks to uh, Michael Bay, Transformers are huge over here now. But I, I do really I, do miss I really, do I really have to give credit to Michael Bay? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. After those movies came out, um, they got super popular with kids and lots of adults as well the days of being able to walk into a, a, a little hobby shop and pick up, you know, Master Force stuff at clearance prices is long over. Which, Brian, <laughs> is why I have not yet been able to find you a, a victory, uh, Leo. Sure, <laughs> right, Lyle Kaiser. Lyle Kaiser, yes, yes. Kev hey, Kevin, I was going to say, it really seems like in Japan, like previously, like, like you, I guess before the Bay movies, that... Transformers were maybe targeted to a, like a lower age group, maybe like it, like you know they seem to really like uh, ki like they kidified Beast Wars a lot, like you know when they dubbed it and stuff. Would you say that's true or? Um, I'm not sure exactly who they were marketing Transformers to, 
at the time because before the movie came out, we had the uh, Kiss player line. Which, <laughs> yeah. uh, that is a little creepy. E- yeah. Even fans over here are embarrassed about. Like, oh, America's going to think that we're weird. Like, not, not, not because of that. You're like, too late! <laughs> you know, then before that, we had the uh, Vinyl Tech line, which, I mean, they were 5,000 yen a piece. So, I mean, definitely not towards kids. And before that, we had uh, Beast Machines, which was released directly to DVD. I remember thinking it was really weird that uh, Japan got uh, the, I'm, I'm just going to call it the real Transformers movie, as opposed to the the Bay movie, but that they got the the Transformers the movie like long after America did. So yeah. like all I could think of is like I guess you know that's why Wheeljack's like still alive in in some of the later <laughs> Japanese shows and stuff. But but I always thought that was strange. Like I was like oh geez they had to wait that long you know to I don't know to me I, I like when I sort of understood that and grasped that I was like geez that's a long time to wait to see what actually you know, happened in that movie and just, you know, sort of vaguely hear about it in, in the headmasters where they're like, Oh, by the way, uh, Optimus got in a big fight with Megatron and everybody died. And now they're Galvatron and Rodimus go, you know, we had scramble city. Yeah. I should mention this. Uh, and I'll let you talk real quick. Clint, and I just want to like, let our fans know if for some reason you're not familiar with, uh, transformers in, uh, Japan, it didn't end with uh, Rebirth over here. Um, over here, we didn't get any new episodes after G1 supposedly got, you know, axed. Over in Japan, the line continued for many more years with a cartoon support. So just to let you guys know, there were more cartoons than just G1. Yeah, uh, G1 continued over here uh, right up until G2. New animation, and uh, after that, we had the uh, comics continuing on in uh, TV magazine. Which are amazing if you ever have a chance to read. I've never read Battle Stars. I really want to read it. Yeah, good. I tried tracking some of that stuff down, and I I never could. It did. I read like a translation of I think it was called uh, the Stargate Battles. That was really good, actually. Yeah. I just remember Megatron turns into his gun mode, but like giant size, and Optimus Prime fires him like a bazooka. <laughs> so. I think that's I, I think that's kind of one of the uh, side questions of that. Over here, Optimus Prime has kind of evolved into a cult figure. Like, a lot of people, even if they are not really fans of, like, Optimus Prime or Transformers as a whole, you can still walk up to the person on the street and be like, hey, do you know Transformers? Oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Oh, that was the one with Optimus Prime. It's like Optimus Prime, like, or as he's called in Japan up to a certain point, Convoy really that big? <clears throat> well, I mean, uh, we, we got the... Uh... Convoy homage in uh, panty and stocking and garter belt. (laughs) (laughs) A a Gynax release, which is really, really funny if you guys haven't heard about it. Hilarious. Nice. So, so a little bit of love is given to the uh, Transformers uh, franchise over there. Just, it's just not taking it seriously, I guess. Now, I would with with, you know the uh, masterpiece line and everything else. It's, it's definitely more of an adult property over here than it is even in the States. That's cool. Takara really seems to, uh, Takara, excuse me, really seems to want to give the fans what they want. Sadly, over here, Hasbro seems to be very willy-nilly about certain releases. The, the market over here is much smaller. 
they need to appeal to them and they need to justify the incredibly high prices. For you, you know, you've got your Generations Deluxes are what, $12, $13? Yeah, approaching $15 now. Yeah, in some places. Yeah, the MSRP for our Transformers United line is close to $30. Ouch. So if you had to pay that, then yeah, they'd better get the decals right. They'd better polish up the chrome and whatever else they do. Yeah. So basically, like, what you're saying is, like, basically the extra effort is to more or less placate fans because they have to pay more. Yeah. And it is nice. I don't hear many Transformer fans here complaining about much. There was a a store in Tenjin that decided to sell imported new Transformers. And, you know, on paper, that sounds like a cool idea. Oh, well, Japanese Transformers are popular in the States. We can sell American Transformers here. And it went down like a Led Zeppelin. I mean, <laughs> um, they kept getting in the newest stuff, but they were selling it at even higher prices than we pay over here. So you'd wow. have the beautiful... What was a really terrible figure you guys got? A lot of people didn't go crazy for Skullgrin, for example. Oh, okay, okay. So you'd have Skullgrin sitting here at like $35. Wow. And they imported wow. all of the movie figures, which are very close to identical to the uh, Japanese releases. <laughs> and the the place was open for about a year, and I don't think they ever sold a single thing. Wow. It'd probably be like if they had, like, Japanese packaging for, like, Star Wars figures that were in abundance over here, but they tried to charge, like, you know, three times as much as you would pay in a store, right? Pretty much. I was going to say, I can see, like, the stuff that maybe, like, Japan didn't get, like, that we got, but you can go into any random Target here, and there are, like, 80 skull grins. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're everywhere, yeah. That's why I brought them up. It's like, he's not a bad figure. He just, yeah, he's totally a peg warmer. Um, yeah, that's it's so weird how really popular lines are perceived in different areas of the uh, world. But uh, hey, Justin, I think you actually had a question for our uh, good friend. What do you, what do you want to ask him, man? Yeah, what's your favorite uh, weird thing you've encountered over there, like uh, Hello Kitty vibrators or the panty vending machines? <laughs> oh, um, so just talking about the the weird pervy stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm Justin a pervy, really so I have wants to, to know. <laughs> now, is it strange that like? Hello Kitty vibrators don't seem all that strange anymore. I mean, um, if you go yes. to a store like our uh, uh, Don Quixote, which is like um, a Walmart crossed with a Walgreens crossed with insane. Um, if you go into one of these places, only the most explicitly cock-shaped sex toys are in the adult section. <laughs> but, I mean, you can get most weird massagers out in the open. Uh, and they're often right next to, you know, regular toys. So it's like, <laughs> oh, Gundam, oh, Dragon Ball, oh, 
personal massager. <laughs> With Goku's Super Saiyan head on it. Or, or uh, sometimes they're in the women's cosmetic section. <laughs> and the, the same goes for arcades. I mean, there will be uh, Dragon Ball Z statues in one claw machine, and then a wide selection of panties in another one. And next to that one, there will be an assless maid uniform. <laughs> so I guess it's weird that parents aren't deathly afraid that their kids will have some concept of sex before they're 18. Right. <laughs> it's like, yay, I want a Goku doll and a pair of assless panties. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Master Roshi uh, vending machine? <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I've seriously gone in because I was I was addicted to these. Uh, we call them UFO catchers, and I would go in like, "Oh, cool! I've got a replica of Maru, the cat that slides into a box, and I've got a a clock with Chun Li on it, and I've got a a pink maid uniform with no back." Okay, <laughs> successful trip. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, just to uh, let our American friends know. I think a lot of the uh, more popular UFO catchers are produced by Sega, right? That is true. Yep. So don't worry, guys. The Genesis may have failed, but in Japan, they're doing very well with uh, assless panties. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to keep in mind that the Japanese UFO catchers are not the same as the Walmart claw machines. These things are set up to where if you have skill, you will win what you want. If you're willing to pay you know, 5 or $10 to keep trying, you will get the item. They're not just all, like, crammed in there and, like, yeah, pushed down, like, oh, you have no chance, screw you guys. No, no, well, each, and then the first machine time. has one specific item. Oh, cool. So there will be, like, an entire floor of an arcade that's just 50 of these things, and each one will have a different specific item. If you win it, someone will come over and reposition uh, a brand new one. I would say, I don't know if you guys had the, I mean, obviously you do, I'm saying I don't know how popular they are up there. One thing that's really become addictive to me when I go to uh, kind of a fun park or anything like that, do you have a stack em game where you have to like, there's a digital screen and there's kind of like, it's basically kind of like a weird Tetris thing. It slides uh, digital boxes back and forth. You have to stack the boxes up and as long as they stay in a, continuous line, you can win a prize. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have not seen that. Really sorely addictive over here, but the thing about it is, like, it's kind of a clock game where, you know, you might be cheated, but if you're really good at it, you can win, like, a comb or a PS3. (laughs) (laughs) We've got... Like, yeah, like the the blind things where you, oh, you know you've won something, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. And yeah, I just, it's I, like, oh, well, here's here's a PlayStation 3. Here's a, a DS. Let's see what, what your key wins. Oh, you've won a uh, one-piece Christmas pillow with some <laughs> some character in a Santa-themed bikini. <laughs> like, here's a, here's a char blow-up doll for all those lucky ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just, I, I was just gonna say, uh, I think it's just awesome. You say like, uh, oh, like this one floor of an arcade, and I'm like, 
wow, you have arcades with multiple floors, whereas here, like, arcades are, like, dead totally. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. I'd have, like, I'd have to go, like, really far to find, like, an actual arcade. And even an arcade that has, like, you know, games that I would like. Like, the closest one I can think of only has, like, racing and, like, simulation games, you know. Like, no, like, fighters or side-scrollers or anything like that. For the, for, the, for the longest time, I thought it was like, oh, arcades are mostly these claw machines. Then someone's like, oh, let's go up to the second floor. I'm like, there's a second f- What? <laughs> yeah. On the second floor, it's usually like your uh, racing games and like the, the drum game and the, the Guitar Hero type stuff. And then you go up to the third floor and it's like uh, pachinko and like uh, uh, gambling type stuff, like slot type games. And you go up another floor and it's just like the old time like um, like your Street Fighter like Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter 4 you know, 8 different Street Fighter 4 like 8th Mix uh, like oh, Metal Slug, Super Mario like just tons of these these little old timey arcade games. That's totally kick ass, yeah. Oh, if I lived there that would be my whole paycheck, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, and oh, and you can um, smoke to your heart's content in these places which keeps me out of them, uh, at least for an, ex- an extended period of time. Like, oh, I'm sure I can beat this guy, but I can't breathe anymore, so going back down. <laughs> it's basically like a like a casino almost. Then, uh, kind of, but you can't. Well, you're not supposed to drink there. <laughs> well, no. Anyway. Like, let me amend that. You can't buy alcohol there. <laughs> but people people walk in not in their uh, correct state of mind. Oh yeah. Sometimes <laughs> that that char thermos has a little something extra in it. <laughs> well, for really the for the ladies. Drinking laws over here, so you can I mean like you can walk around just drinking out of a bottle if you want. Huh. Oh, kind of like uh, more or less New Orleans. Yeah. But everywhere. <laughs> What's it like? What 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 advice could you give people who like might be like considering like moving to Japan eventually? No, oh. I mean I came here by accident almost, so uh, there's going to be limited advice. But um, you should know that most companies will only pay once a month. So let's say you started work on April first, you won't get a paycheck until May thirty first. Ah. Yeah, and the actual move-in costs for an apartment can be staggering. Uh, you've got to pay out two or three months' rent plus a deposit and what they call key money, and those are usually equal to about one month's rent each. So wow. you might wind up paying, like your first month's rent might wind up costing you about $3,000. Jeez. Um, so if you're thinking about coming here, uh, either save up a lot of money in advance or make sure you have somebody to mooch off of while you get on your feet. <laughs> Some advice, and i got to get this out there, for people who want to come to Japan and then return home. Uh, when you go home, don't start every sentence with, when I was in Japan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I knew one person who tried to get around it by saying, 
during my time among the Japanese, you know, as if it was like some <laughs> lost New Guinea tribe. <laughs> you lost samurai. <laughs> like, 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 there is some stuff that it's cool you tell people about. Like, oh yeah, the sushi really is, it, it's it's so fresh. But I mean, like, don't don't start every sentence for like an entire year with. You know, when I was in Japan, we had uh, we had Coca Cola, but it wasn't like this Coca Cola. <laughs> Yeah, they basically don't like uh, flaunt your, because uh, I mean I think that's one of the things a lot of people are very, uh, eh, I, w- I would say envious of, in Japan, as far as being kind of a fanboy or a geek as is normally known, it does seem like a paradise, but it is still a country. I mean the whole country doesn't revolve around anime and manga and manga. You know, it's it's actually a country. They do have politics. They do have a culture, and well, we do, we do have politics, and we have appointed Hello Kitty to an official ambassador position. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like the, it, the a lot of people like to see the tourism ambassador. A lot of people like to see the like you know the things they want to see, which actually brings me to my question. I've always kind of wondered: what are like some stereotypes Harker fans of Japanese culture in the West? tend to be completely wrong and just ignorant of as far as the reality when you live in Japan. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who say they're Japanese, you know, otakus and stuff, but they actually are not as well-versed as they say they are. I mean, like, what are some things that make you kind of laugh now that you live there? Well, I mean, for all their, their negative publicity, I would say that real hardcore and even self-professed otaku uh, do a better job of fitting into regular society than <laughs> some of the western anime fans that I've met do. The, you know, fat, smelly, neck-bearded man-boy squeezing into the uh, Fudikuri t-shirt <laughs> is apparently a purely western creation. <laughs> and the uh, depiction of otaku in fiction is exaggerated by, like, orders of magnitude. Um, yeah. I've never been anywhere in Japan where I felt as uncomfortable as I did at Chicago's Anime Central. Uh, and I've been to mixed-gender public baths. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you have to have a steady job to afford those $1,000 Super Sentai or anime box sets. And I've met yeah. plenty of anime fans in the U.S. who have never bought any of their media. Uh, comics, uh, cartoons, DVDs, art books—they just you know download it all. So when I moved out here, I got emails from tons of people asking me to hook them up with stuff, uh, and almost all of them were shocked to find out just how ungodly expensive everything is. Yeah, because they never they never had to pay for it before. Back in the states, you know, it was like, oh, you read comics and you watch cartoons. You're you're a you know you're a geek. Uh, no reproducing for you. But uh, over here, I mean, everybody reads comics. It's not a geek thing. Uh, every single person I have ever talked to reads and likes at least a few different comic series. Um, having some toys on a shelf is fairly normal. Not everybody does it, but it's not enough to have you labeled as a social outcast. I actually uh, kind of read one time, I forgot the article, but like, even like very affluent Japanese businessmen will read uh, quote unquote phone books of uh, manga on the ride to work and stuff. 
Yeah, that was more true before the uh, iPhone came out. Now everyone's just staring at the iPhone. But yeah, <laughs> uh, before that, everyone was reading these Bible-sized uh, comic books on the train. That would be so awesome. I mean, it's like, I mean, we we are getting a little bit more accepting over here in the West, but I think the funniest thing is, is it's not about being comics or about being like a geeky thing. It's about being entertained. Right. If you like something, then why why be ashamed of it, you know? It, do they, do they have to touch little boys, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> Do they, do they have uh, Japanese-specific apps for maybe, like, the iPhone that they wouldn't have here in the States, like, regarding manga or anything specific to Japan? Or? Uh, there are a couple of manga apps, and there's, I mean, a ton of uh, Japanese-exclusive apps. Uh, a lot of them involve uh, teaching English, which I was like, oh, no, the iPhone is going to put me out of a job. But it, it really is nice. Um being able to enjoy your hobby and not get, you know, judged for it. I, I had a roommate at one point, and we were going out on the town, and he's like, wait, how can we bring girls back to the apartment? There are shelves full of toys and comics, and we've got, like, seven different video games hooked up to the TV. Same guy found me later that night. He's like, dude, this chick's, like, 40 hours into Dragon Quest Eight, which is not something I can say for pretty much anyone I've ever met in the States. Yeah, like like that's not a good pickup line. So, uh, do you want to uh, play Dragon Quest RPGs? Eight for forty hours? <laughs> I totally I'll take you him. on a Dragon Quest, baby. <laughs> I totally know all the names of the Ginyu members. You want to know all of them? <laughs> Sharaznable pickup line number two hundred and seventy-three. <laughs> so, uh, so Kevin, I I had another question for you. Um, I was just wondering, are there things uh, in like related to you know the fan properties that we're talking about? Are there things in Japan that maybe have flopped in America but are really really popular in Japan? Or like counter to that, are there things that are you know really super huge in America? You know, I, I you know something like you know Pokemon or uh, Naruto or things like that, but maybe they're not as huge in Japan. Well, how's One Piece perceived over in the States? Uh, it died after we got a good dub, which kind of speaks really poorly for us. Okay. Um, that over here is perceived um, in much the same way that I think Christians view Christ. <laughs> wow. Um, it is unbelievably popular uh, with kids and some adults. So it's interesting that it died out in the States because uh, you can slap that skull logo on absolutely anything and sell it. I, uh, I'm actually wearing a One Piece watch right now, and <laughs> I've never seen the show. Well, it was no, just no, a really apparently, nice like, over watch. in America, they, like, we had, it was done by 4Kids Animation, which we have a Botop member who I won't mention because she's not posting right now, but she really hated 4Kids. And like, you know, our version was like, give it up for Name, yeah, yeah, give it up for Luffy, yeah, yeah, give it up, give it up, give it up. And then they went to uh, Funimation dubs, which actually did try to make it more, you know, accurate, and it really did not even last a season. But that's Cartoon Network, and they take good stuff, so. 
I was just going to say, like, I never really watched it at all. I mean, regardless of the, you know, just to, to totally remove the style of dub out of the equation while I understand what you guys are talking about. I just, I, I, I think I know of it. You know, when you say One Piece, I know what it is. But all I can think of is, like, goofy jokes about, you know, Reed Richards and the little kid who stretches and stuff. You know, like, <laughs> I, I only know vaguely of it. Kind of like you're saying, Kevin, you never have seen the show. Like, I just have never seen it. And I guess for somebody like me, I'm pretty easily manipulated by, I would say, Western dubs of anime, like, you'd be hard-pressed to find a dub that I haven't watched just because it was dubbed, and I think that's one of the few I can say that about. I don't know if that means I'm lame or whatever, but I just, I just was never looked all that interesting to me. Me neither. I was going to say, it's about pirates, so I was like, eh. Well, well I mean, I, I think the uh, soul of the show, if I might be incorrect, I could be wrong. It's very much a um, shojin kind of show, uh, where the good—it's very much like Dragon Ball Z, where the uh, good guy has to make himself better to beat his other rivals, and that's very popular in Japan, right? That is true. I, I remember kind of thinking, I wish Harry Potter would have had a more Japanese rival thing going on. It, with it's, it's, it's totally it's, Harry Potter pirates. <laughs> we, we do have some other stuff that didn't do great in the states that is just huge over here like do you know the carpenters yeah yeah um i don't know how but they're like one of the biggest western bands in japanese history wow um if you go to a, a karaoke box the carpenters section will be about as long as the beatles and rolling stones sections huh nice that's interesting and Mr. Big is still big over here. Hey, I'm the one who wants to be with you. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Mr. Big uh, stayed popular because, you know, that's one nickname. Oh, you are Mr. Big. Like, well, it it could have been like Little Richard, and that would have been... <laughs> Yeah, they put out a, 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 a new CD a, a year or so back, and it was their second CD from the uh, Tokyo Budokan. It was called right. Back to Budokan, and it was a three-disc set. Wow. Considering most Americans don't like three Mr. Big songs, the idea of a three-disc set is, yeah. As evil as a water softener, though. Uh, actually, uh, this is actually some random thing I was actually going to ask, kind of in conjunction with that question, Derek asked. Um, over here, Dragon Ball Z has kind of fallen out of the graces a little bit. Not badly. I mean, people are still big fans. But Dragon Ball was huge in Japan for a long time. I mean, is it still, like, kind of like Optimus Prime, kind of iconic, you know? Like, you have to know Dragon Ball. Yeah. We, could, uh, we got uh, Dragon Ball Kai, which just finished up over here, and that was huge. Everybody loved it. Uh, a ton of my kids have uh, uh, Dragon Ball folders. Uh, we get, like, a new Dragon Ball fighting game, it seems like, twice a year. Wow. Yeah, because it, it was really big on Adult Swim here for a while, but then they kind of dropped to the wayside. Um, by the way, just for a random plug, anybody here, including Kevin... 
please check out Dragon Ball Z Abridged. It's an awesome show. I know they're not a sponsor or they're not even a guest, but it's so flippin' funny. I love it. <laughs> Definitely, I love yeah. Guys. Yep, four star. Team four star. <laughs> Kevin, I wanted to ask then, um actually I've been waiting to ask this of someone. Did did Kai success you said it finished up already? Uh yeah. Did well, they successfully get the whole series into 100 episodes, or? Well, like it the ended whole... um, after Cell. Oh, okay, so they didn't um, do Boo. There's some talk that they're going to go back and do Boo, <laughs> but uh, do because it was boo. so successful, but it's, it's not immediately <laughs> planned. Ah, I gotcha. Wow. Okay. That's cool, at least. All right, Kevin. Uh, we have uh, kind of hit you up hard for some... Uh, in-depth questions, but you know what? We do like to have a little bit of fun on fan holes every once in a while, so we're going to get to go into a little bit more easy answers for everybody here. We're going to go to a roundtable discussion. This is where we just kind of talk about everything and all things. What, being in your hemisphere, is your favorite Godzilla movie, sir? I'm not going to say the Matthew Broderick one. Uh, (laughs) But... um... I liked Godzilla vs. Destroya the best. The humans in that one kind of mirrored the people who weren't keeping the series alive. So it's like, you know, Godzilla is great, but now he's going away and there's nothing we can do to stop it. And we're going to miss him. Do you ever see uh, James Ralph's, uh, he's the uh, Anger Video Game Nerds uh, review of that? Yeah, because he kept saying, like, when he reviewed it, he was a big Godzilla fan. He kept saying, and he was facing Destroya! <laughs> It was like an ongoing Yeah, the, the acting wasn't subtle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a three um, So, okay, so that's probably one of your favorites. Um, how about you, Mike? I mean, I know you are not a huge Godzilla fan. You said you probably only seen the Matthew Broderick one. Would that yeah. be your default? I was going to say, I might have to say that's my favorite by default because it's like the only full one I've seen, I think. I mean, I've seen little snippets like, just flipping through channels over the years, but I couldn't tell you which ones they're from. I, um, I feel really, really sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. like, a leper on this. But um, it's, like, the one thing I can say, like, you know, I've never been a Godzilla fan, so, like, it's the one thing I can say that I like is the... the does anyone remember the 90s series that was on yeah. Fox Kids ba- yeah, that, based that on that the Project sort of, movie? That kind of redeemed Zilla for yeah. me. They gave him, like, real... Real fire breath and stuff. And yeah, and that, that series was pretty breath. violent too. Like for Fox yeah. Kids, like Godzilla bled and stuff. And yeah, I, I just remember I really liked the opening credit sequence when he's when you, the guy's driving on the bridge and you see the giant eye next to him moving. I just thought that was a really cool opening credit sequ- sequence for that. The, the other thing that was cool about that is that seemed to um, the the animated show seemed to try to honor some of the the movies in the sense that they were, you know, going for all those giant different creatures that he would fight from week to week. Like, it wasn't just kind of, you know, him always on the run from the military or, you know, whatever kind of mundane plot you might expect from a, you know, an Americanized version of the cartoon. Like, he actually did fight his own set of monsters and stuff, which I thought and, was kind of cool. And it had, what's his face, uh, Ian Zaring from yes. 90210. <laughs> Steve! Yeah. yeah, and he had his own, like, catchphrase on that show, which was like, Go, go, go! And, like, every episode he had to say, like, <laughs> Go, go, go! 
Uh, what about you, Derek? What was your favorite Godzilla movie? I know you probably definitely have one. I know you watched them. Yeah, I well, I like, I like, I mean, I pretty much like all the movies and stuff. But uh, for the, the Showa period, I guess I really, really like uh, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster or Hedora because um, I just think that's cool. I like all the kind of '70s funky music that plays, and I kind of, I kind of dig all the the idea of he's a big giant pollution monster and stuff. And then uh, my favorite part is when Godzilla um, curls up into like a little ball and uses his atomic breath to like fly past the monster and you know kick <laughs> his ass and stuff. Like I just dig all that stuff. Um, as far as the more recent stuff, like the Millennium stuff. Um, I was just going to give a shout out to uh, the the giant monsters all out attack, which is like one of the more I I guess you'd say like the millennium stuff is kind of like reading ultimate Marvel comics. Like they all kind of start fresh almost or they're like direct sequels to the original movie, but without any of the quote unquote hideous backstory of, you know, the other movies or other comics, you know, as it were in, in ultimate Marvel. Um, and so like that, that movie I thought was kind of cool cause it, it's, it's supposed to be like very spiritualized Godzilla almost like he, he's got all the angry dead souls, you know, in him and <laughs> stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, it was directed by the same guy who directed all the, the newer, uh, Gamera movies and the violence is all very kind of ultra real, you know, like it's not, it's not, um, you know, goofy stylized, you know, Power Ranger type you know, buildings blow up. Cause I, I remember there's this one scene where it's very iconic in my head that got stuck there where basically there's a woman and she's like kind of stuck in a hospital. So she can't really escape, you know, like she's kind of essentially trapped there, but Godzilla's walking past and it's like, Oh crap, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then all of a sudden it's like, <sighs> I'm not going to die. He just walked past my building. And you think everything's cool. And then his tail just like whacks right into the back of the building and like crushes the building and kills her. So like, <laughs> it's just like one of those things where, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a cool take on um, the the environment and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. What about you, Justin? What's your, your favorite Godzilla movie? Um, I'm probably the uh, terror of Mechagodzilla. Nice. Uh, that's probably the one I've uh, watched the most. And it's also my favorite um, I, I just like that it, you know, the later ones were kind of goofy, you know, like Megalon and so forth. And then uh, Godzilla vs. Megagodzilla. <clears throat> uh, Godzilla vs. Megagodzilla was really good. And then they followed that up, you know, he came back and Terra Megagodzilla. And it was more of a serious movie, you know, you had like a, you know, somewhat semblance of a love story going on with that girl who was, you know, kind of a cyborg. And I always thought Titanosaurus was a pretty good monster. Like, he didn't get enough respect that was due to him. So I always liked that one. Cool. Um, I probably have to uh, kind of go old school. I really, really like uh, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Um, and it's kind of on layers in a lot of ways because King Ghidorah is pretty much like the only monster who really kind of gave Godzilla a run for his money. And also, I'm not going to lie, I grew up in the 80s and I saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure and it was kind of nice to see like <laughs> him run through the, <laughs> yeah. the supposed taping of it when like King Ghidorah is being like, you know, <laughs> bounced up and down on like wires and whatnot. <laughs> But uh, yeah, King and he, uh, King Ghidorah actually made a resurgence. I don't know the name of it, but he uh, came back as Mecha Ghidorah, correct, Kevin? Yes. 
yeah, he came back even more badass. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, Brian is in the negative zone prison right now. He was locked away for not registering his mutant power of uh, being able to choke out the Riddler. So right now I'm going to like just give you guys his uh, perfect pick for a Godzilla movie. I don't know if this is his perfect movie as far as seeing it the first time, but he really enjoyed Godzilla teaming up with Jet Jaguar in the <laughs> MST3K version. Um, I don't know the actual name of the movie. Do you know that one? It's Godzilla versus Megalon. Yeah. Is it Megalon? Oh, nice, nice. Um, I don't that's, know. That's a pretty awesome movie. I remember I used to have a really crappy VHS tape of it, and what I thought was funny was like on the cover they had like a black and white photo of like the 1954 Godzilla, which I thought was like, hilarious because I guess they didn't have any other like you know, promotional picture to use or something. So I always like was surprised when I plugged it in and it was like you know in color and stuff because I expected it to be. You know, like the old movie, but it clearly wasn't. <laughs> I've got like a similar story. Well, my friend had a VHS copy too, and his version had the the cover was you know Godzilla and Megalon standing on the two towers, the twin towers. So I was like, well, oh, I yeah, yeah. So as a kid, I was you like, well, <laughs> I was like, well, let's let's put this in. I can't wait to see them fight on top of giant buildings. And that scene was never never in there. So I was like, well, wait, where's where are they fighting on the buildings? That's not in here at all. Uh, actually, uh, probably my favorite one, I don't know if Brian will agree, but I'll put in my favorite moment of the MSC3K one, is where Godzilla upends himself, kind of slides on his tail, and does a drop kick to the monster Megalon. Yeah. Because it was just so incredibly cheesy. It was just like, really, we're going to go there? <laughs> it, was like, it, it was pretty bad. I, I do love me some uh, slash Sentai Godzilla guy in a rubber suit, as opposed to whatever the hell Matthew Broderick was doing in that movie. Go, go, go! <laughs> he exactly. was uh, he was just earning a paycheck when that one. Yeah, he was just like, yeah, just got his Spectre gadget waiting. Get some big bucks off of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Kevin, you still with us, sir? I assume, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I hope we didn't like you know lose you there. Now, this one is probably a harder question because in your realm where you live at, you see a lot more newer stuff. You see, like, things debut before we do weeks, months maybe in advance. But at the same time, there might be still a personal fan favorite. What is your favorite anime, sir? Uh, By a mile, Evangelion. Nice. Uh, Aside from a few really sketchy portions of the dub... Uh, the the translation itself, not the voice acting. I love just about everything about that series. They really did put Gynax on the map. Yeah, they were just. I mean, they were similar to what like um, Fans Project is now, just you know, making with little questionably licensed stuff, and then they're like, well, let's let's try to make our own series. We've got some money, and I think That's they cool. came up with with uh, Gunbuster. That made enough money for them to do most of Ava. <laughs> you know, I really, I really love Gunbuster too. Gunbuster was a very big cult fan fave anime over here in the states because it, it had like a lot, it had a lot of Mazinger qualities to it. You mean Transor Z? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would not pick Evangelion for you, sir. That's pretty cool. Do you, do you really hate the Neon Genesis add-on we put on over here? Um, that's what I'm talking about with like the uh, the sketchy translation. Yeah. Because because it's like Shinseki, which is like uh, or Shinsekai, and it's like you know new new century or like new world, and it's like wait Neon Genesis. Yeah. Uh, but I, think I had this huge Ava collection when I first got here. Because I went crazy and it's everywhere. Well, I think um, we talked about this uh, one time, one night before. Um, people over here may not be aware of it because of the dub, but like the original dub, they weren't angels, the bad guys, right? Right, they were like messengers or... Yeah, I, th- I think messenger would be like the most appropriate word. Yeah, and we just, yeah, totally butchered that for a minute. <laughs> But you know, I mean that that is really cool that you kind of went a little bit old school because it really is well animated. It's got a lot of deep stuff, and I mean, I look at it this way: if it makes you kind of go a little bit stupid thinking about how it was related to everything, that's a good thing. Anything that makes you think is a good series. Myself. As I get older, though, my my one complaint about it is the same as my complaints with a lot of series. And that's for inexplicable reasons. The main characters are like fourteen-year-old kids. <laughs> so, like, Sailor Moon. It, it, oh, it's sorry. never really even registered with me. Like, I had this huge Ava collection, um, which included a lot of different like Ray and Oscar figures. But once I started teaching junior high school, it's like I can't be doing this job while I have a shelf full of junior high school figurines in my apartment. <laughs> Yeah, like that's, especially like especially like skin tight uniforms, yeah. Well, I mean, like I I was collecting them. Like they, there was a whole line of weird. Uh, so there was like you know, the, the skin tight uniforms, schoolgirl uniforms, and then they got like really weird, like random sundress or nurse <laughs> outfit. Oh yeah, there was like, like, like there was like uniforms. There was like Lolita Asuka, right? Yeah, I had the goth Lolita ones. I won them out of a, a UFO catcher. And I'm just like, whoa, no, no, this is, no, this is, uh, take a seat right over there. So I, I wound up sticking it all in, like, one huge eBay lot. And I was like, I'm like, Go away, uh, I'm tempers. selling all my pervy anime stuff because I can't have it anymore. Um, if you want it, you know, may God have mercy on your soul. So, so like, Char is cool with the ladies, but acting like Char is not, not cool with the job, right? Um, Char's not like you know. No, no, I guess you're right. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I completely forgot he's about. A, he's a little pervy, yeah, he's a little bit. What about you, Mike? Uh, what's your uh, favorite anime? Um, I like a lot of stuff, you know, Gundam, obviously. But if I had to choose just one, I'd probably go with Dragon Ball Z. Um, it was probably my first exposure to anime. Um. I used to, as a kid, I used to see the grainy VHS fan subs that my cousin had, where Derek likes to joke they call everyone ass wipes. Yeah, Vegeta, Vegeta, like, every five minutes in those, they translate everything as ass wipe. It'd be yeah, like, I do what remember. are you doing, Vegeta? I'm going to the fridge, ass wipe. <laughs> I, I do remember they just added swears in everywhere with those fan subs, so yeah, I have fond memories of that. But, um, I just, I, you know, Recently, I've actually been rereading the manga, and, like, now I'm taking, like, it's, I like the manga because you can kind of, like, take it more as, like, a comic book, 
and instead of like an anime, obviously. And like I, I'm appreciating like Akira Toriyama's like visual storytelling. He's a very good storyteller, and he does very good action. And I, you know, obviously the manga is a lot more straightforward than the anime. No uh, garlic junior saga shenanigan filler or anything like yeah. that. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I actually totally appreciate his uh, in the manga. Like I love his uh, facial expressions. He kind of reminds me of a uh, Giffen in that because he can like portray like hatred, disgust, or like empathy or embarrassment just with like a twitch of the eye, which they yeah. could not really yeah convey in the uh, anime. And I've just like this time reading the manga, I'm just appreciating a lot of like the more subtle storyline things like just like I'm, I'm in the middle of the cell saga right now and uh, it's just like when they they fought the first pair of androids and like trunks comes back and he's like oh those aren't the right androids uh the ones in the future that make everything bad and they're like what the hell are you talking about and uh i just like notice little things now like that um when like Piccolo is like, okay, well we're gonna go with Trunks to find the real androids, and um, like Bulma's there, so Piccolo tells like, oh Gohan, you bring Bulma home. And I was thinking like, why why did he send Gohan? Like Gohan could be useful in the fight. And then I thought, well Piccolo also knows that Trunks told him that like Gohan is the only one who survives. So Piccolo is probably like, you know, just in case this does go bad, you know, Gohan will still be alive. So it's just really subtle things like that that I love. I, I, I was kind of like Gohan because it's like <laughs> this is not in the manga, it's just totally in the anime. They'd be like, you know, Gohan, you have so much power and you could totally destroy the evil that is trying to desecrate our world and then he gets punched in the next episode and knocked out. <laughs> yeah, he kind of got nerfed, I guess, in the Boo yeah. Saga. Gohan, he gets the most—he's yeah. the most powerful character for all of like two manga chapters. And well, I guess Boo, we we have Goku's uh, fan aura to thank. Exactly, yeah. Toriyama had to like go back to having Goku and Vegeta be the heroes, yeah. So, but you know, fucking uh, electric manhole covers—I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Derek? What's your uh, favorite uh, anime? Uh, I was just going to say, this is kind of very uh, specific to uh, dubs and everything, but I was I was going to say, I really, really like the Ocean Group dub of the Galaxy Express Triple uh, Nine <laughs> movie. Like, I think it's like, I don't know, I, I just remember renting that from, from Odyssey Video and thinking, like, uh, it's um, Scott McNeil doing Harlock. So, like, I, I just thought that was, like, really, really cool. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I I, I really enjoy uh, uh, it's Liji Matsumoto, um, uh doing the Galaxy Express stuff. So it's like you know, it's all that Harlock stuff that you know is in the same universe, but then none of the none of the stuff ever really connects and makes any sense to connect. If you actually tried to connect it, your head would explode. But you know, <laughs> it's still cool. I I enjoy it a lot. Oh, nothing wrong with that. What about you, Justin? Uh, what's your favorite anime? Uh, I'm going to go with Cowboy Bebop. Um, it's probably the one anime I could sit down, you know, no matter what's going on in my life or anything, I could just sit down and watch it beginning to end and enjoy every single episode. That's probably, that's also probably the one anime where I can actually enjoy every episode and, you know, find something I like or, you know, 
there's like there'll be a serious <laughs> episode, and then the next episode will be you know kind of a comedy or you know tugging at the heartstrings or something. You know, you and uh, Brian are apparently secret brothers this week. Secret brothers. Shh, don't yeah. Because uh, yeah, he he actually said uh, more than a few minutes ago in the negative zone prison that. Um, the email I got from him was he's a big fan of Cowboy Bebop. I mean, you cannot dislike Spike Spiegel. I mean, he's got the whole, you know, Bruce Lee, Jeet Kune Do thing, and you got, you know, Jet Black, and, you know, I mean, yeah. Pretty anime. Not to go too, uh, <laughs> too esoteric, but it's just really well done. It's just really pretty. Well, I think we'd, be, also, we'd all be uh, secret secret fan holes on this one because I'm sure I'm sure everybody likes Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, you can't yeah. dislike it. I don't think. Yeah, would you agree, Kevin? There's nothing to dislike about Cowboy Bebop. Exactly. Yes, and this is coming from a man who lives in Japan who knows anime. So you should all definitely if if you haven't watched Cowboy Bebop now and you listen to fan holes. You may not be a fan holes listener because you should have already watched it by now. So, it's a great um, also, to get uh, into because there's not too much merch selling. Like, it, you, you don't finish watching an episode and then think, "I need a bunch of toys on my shelf." Wait, you don't want that really crappy PS1 game where you fly around in the, <laughs> the jet? <laughs> not the sword that they didn't fish. try. But uh, uh, actually, uh, Brian also wanted to mention, even though <clears throat> it's not anime. Is uh well not an anime series. It's a uh, I think OVA, uh Ninja Scroll, which is actually something that got a lot of people into anime back in the day. It was a really well done uh, OVA. You have a guy turning into a rock, and you have a guy with bees on his back, and you have a badass who can kill almost anybody, and then he almost has sex with a girl who has a apparently venomous vagina. So I mean, really, it's really good stuff. <laughs> I just I, I remember a good buddy of mine like loved Ninja Scroll, like the you know the first Ninja Scroll movie, and I, I remember him describing it as kind of like something that you know uh, I, I guess because of the violence and the way it looked, you know, a lot of people in Western culture hadn't seen that much anime. Yeah, I mean, this was back in the you know probably late '90s or something like that. I mean, I, yes. I don't think I watched too much anime until after I got out of college myself, but. They were kind of, you know, entranced by all the blood and violence and the kind of action and, and that that series had to offer. Um, and then I, I remember buying him the um, the DVDs of the series later on. I think there was like a 13-episode anime or something like that, so I think I bought him like the box set or whatever it was. Yeah, well, I mean, when it came out, yeah, I mean, it was really true. A lot of people had gotten used to, like, and Kevin do not you know, berate me for saying this term. A lot of people got used to Japanimation, where it was like early 70s stuff, and they were like, you know, oh, it all looks like this, we all have big eyes and stuff like that. And then Ninja Scroll came out, and they are like, oh, holy crap, they are totally kicking our ass as far as animation. You know, it was really well done, had a lot of good realism. It looked how it was supposed to look. You know, when you watch it, you got the feel of the anime you know you're like oh this is actually how animation is supposed to look that's a you know big you know thing at that time because like back in the back in the day you know we were used to like robotech and stuff like that we we're getting a lot of like voltron and stuff we we're getting a lot of series that were made in the 70s you know 
It'd be like now if we sent uh, cops to like Japan, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, this is what you guys are doing. Uh, hey, don't don't mock bulletproof. Fuck the big boss, Hey, they fought crime in a future time. <laughs> no, uh, Tony, I was gonna say, I, I think I kind of feel the, that way about Golgo Thirteen. You know, I, I I don't think I ever like sort of ran into Ninja Scroll as I was growing up, but I do remember watching Golgo Thirteen. I think maybe shortly after I watched like the the Street Fighter Two movie and stuff like that. Those are some of the earliest. Uh, anime I can think of watching, but I, I remember kind of watching that, thinking, "Oh wow, this is this is cool!" Like, and you know, he you know he was an assassin, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Punisher. Kind of reminded me, you know, just of sort of you know, it was kind of you know, to me, it was kind of uber violent and uber sexy, and you know, all that kind of stuff that I wasn't used to seeing in, you know, I guess American animation up until that point. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I can see where it comes. I, I'm I'm probably gonna go very fanboyish on anime for a minute because I did kind of grow up in like a slightly earlier time. I mean, I know some of you guys are maybe a year younger than me at most, but I got into anime at a very young age, and I watch a lot of these things that you guys are talking about. But I love Lum. Lum is awesome. It's like I mean, as far as I know, Kevin, that's it's like one of the staples in the anime like hierarchy, right? The Fire. artist beyond behind that did a bunch of other uh, really popular stuff. And yeah, that's that's definitely like one of the uh, big uh, cultural things. Yeah, basically, if you've ever seen like uh, Tinti Muyo or you know, I mean, it started with that. Kind of the whole craze of like, you know, your innocent young boy being chased by superhuman women. Kind of weird. That's a genre. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is. <laughs> but it's really well done, and you know, Lum is really annoyingly cute too. Lum Invader. It's uh, Ramu in Beta. Rumiko Rumiko Takashi's Takahashi's. Yeah, Rumiko. About a year or two back, they had a, a traveling art exhibition of. Some of her her best work. Yeah, that's where I was first introduced to it. Yeah, I, like I said, it's it's probably obscure to people over here. Yeah, it's like the perfect woman who chases a very not perfect man. So this is the same person who made like Inuyasha, right? Yeah, that's her. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Ranma was pretty popular with a lot of my friends here. I did like Rama, yeah. Ranma's one of those series where if you try to explain it to somebody, you just sound like a crazy person. Yeah, you fall into a lake, you turn to a woman, and he likes a girl, but he's still a woman, and yeah, never mind. And don't forget Giant Panda, bear driving his, his car. Grandpa turns into a Giant Panda. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was one of the questions, like, so what's with the panda? Oh, it's his grandfather. Why is his grandfather a panda? He turns into one, damn it. <laughs> well, he does, he turns into a panda. Yeah, I cold see. water and hot water, gentlemen and well, gentlemen, because we don't have any ladies on this week. <laughs> oh, oh, teaser, teaser. That might be in the future. We do a little thing called <laughs> something. Awesome we need we week. need a name for it. 
Is it a, we do need a name for it? Um, let's see. How about... We, we do a thing called name pending. Name pending. <laughs> I, I thought it was what's, what's awesome in your world slash universe slash whatever Tony decides to say this week. <laughs> what's awesome in your Play-Doh, sir? Now, <laughs> in, in your neck of the woods, in your area, in your hood, in your... <laughs> what's awesome where you might live at in the current time of your... In the current space-time continuum... This week, uh, Brian has sent me an email saying that he cannot transfer his awesome thing this week because of the negative zone prison. That He's happens. saving it. He's saving it for next week. It's okay. It's gonna be doubly awesome because he's gonna break free until he make Reed Richards' bit. He's probably gonna have like fifteen awesome things next week, Tony. I know, right? Yeah. Um, I think we should totally defer to our guest of the week, Kevin. What is something kind of awesome going on in your? Uh, Side of the uh, barn shack this week. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday marked the official launch date for Transformers Dark of the Moon merchandise in Japan. Ah. Did you buy anything, sir? Uh, I picked up some stuff for a few friends, and I got the um, Megatron and Optimus Prime uh, Voyager class figures. Well done. All right, cool. I think we're getting a little trickling of that over here. I'm not sure. Are we? I think your release date is tomorrow. Yeah, I haven't seen anything over here yet. So We got the little uh, Cyberverse Prime like a month ago. So, Mike, awesomeness, go. Uh, like I said, I've been on like a DBZ kick recently. And uh, what do you call I got... um. The, I think it's called. Uh, you might have to help me here, Kevin. Uh, I think it's the uh, offshoot of the robot Damashi line. I think it's like SH Figure Arts is the toy uh, line. SH it's from Figure Arts. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, I got the Piccolo from that line, and it's totally awesome. It's like basically like uh, it's almost like a masterpiece Piccolo, basically. So it's like the best possible version you could have of a character. And he's really cool. He's about, like, Marvel Legends size. He comes with, like, eight different hands. Uh, uh, I'm kind of disappointed he only comes with, like, three he- alternate heads. Uh, it's Serious Piccolo, Serious Piccolo with a turban on, and uh, <laughs> Angry Slightly Looking to the Side with Veins all popping out on his head, uh, Special Beam Cannon Shooting Piccolo, yeah. <laughs> Or, or I should say, Makenko Sapo shooting Piccolo, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's a really cool figure, and I love him, and i got to post pictures of him soon on Bot Talk because he's awesome. They don't have, like, jaw-dropping, like, what the hell is yeah, going on? Yeah, see, I'm, I'm really sad. Yeah, he doesn't. He only has, like, the, like the, the Gohan and the Goku figures from that line have, like, six different alternate faces, but Piccolo only has three, and two of them are the same expression, only he's wearing a turban on the with the other head. I want but. the yes, yes, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I, I'd like a, a smirking Piccolo. It's like, I'm I'm about to kill <laughs> Piccolo, yeah, but, but... But in whatever case, it's an awesome figure. It's a little pricey. It cost me, like, 40-something bucks, but... And you know, for a Marvel Legends-sized character, so that's like over here. That's kind of a, uh, a little steep. But you know, if you love the character, it's it's a totally worth it. It's a great figure. 
And I, I can probably make the same recommendation from anything from that line. Justin, there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, Sentai figures from that line. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Specifically. I know that there's probably, like, Kamen Rider and stuff like that, but... Mm. I'm a big uh, Piccolo fan, too, so that what you're describing sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to check it out. Derek, there's a Domon Kashu figure, too, in that. Oh, neat, neat. I was just about to ask you if there was any Gundam yeah. figures from that line. <laughs> um, I guess I will uh, go next real quick. Um, this is kind of negative, but still at the same time very positive. Honestly, I'm not going to lie, guys. I was kind of jazzed to hear that the uh, Wonder Woman pilot got axed. Because <laughs> I wasn't really impressed by what I saw online, and... <laughs> For one of the big three, I want something really good for her. And, yeah, just, you know, I want I want to see Wonder Woman. I really do. I want to see her in live action. I want her to, like, kick ass and be, like, you know, the Amazon, you know, badass. <clears throat> but what I saw, I was like, I don't see that. So her getting the axe and her pilot from NBC did not hurt my feelings at all. I was actually kind of happy about that. I was like, yeah, I don't need... Wonder Woman in hot pants. Well, you know, hot hot spandex. So, well, hopefully, guess, hopefully, Green Lantern doesn't suck, and they could make a, a decent film instead of a, you know, Ally McBeal TV series or whatever they're trying to do. Yeah, well, I, I, I posted at Pod Talk. I was like, sexy Wonder Woman having lots of sex. <laughs> no, <laughs> and that's pretty much how it hit me. And I was like, yeah, let's get like David E. Kelly way away from Wonder Woman. Let's. Seriously, I mean, I am kind of a fanboy, I will admit, but Joss Whedon really likes Wonder Woman. He was working on it for a minute. Let's get him back into it. Seriously. Yeah, I thought the uh, the actors they picked for Wonder Woman looked fine, and I thought the costume actually looked fine, but the script was uh, it's pretty questionable, so I'm not all that disappointed that it, got, uh, it didn't get picked up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw it to you, Derek. Uh, let us know your awesome thing. And you can throw it to Justin, too. I unfortunately have something to take care of real quick. I'll be right back. Headed for the negative zone. Um, so, yeah, I, my awesome thing this week, I was just going to give a shout-out to uh, Spike Skulovich because uh, I will out myself. Uh, one of the few shows I watch that probably won't be canceled uh, <laughs> next season is the uh, the remake or the redo of 90210. Um, and so I, I still continue to watch that show every week. Uh, I used to live in L.A. It kind of reminds me of L.A. because, you know, they obviously live there, so there's that. And, you know, I used to watch the old show, and when I found out it was kind of a semi-continuation, you know, they had some of the older cast members show up every once in a while, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. So, uh, you know, I'm a continuity whore, even for 90210. So, so anyway, I watched that show, um, but uh, the episode this week uh, had two cool things. Uh, Dr. Flox was on the episode uh, because he was, that's uh, an actor from uh, Star Trek Enterprise, um, but he was playing one of the main characters, Naomi Clark's teacher, who was like, you've cheated on your, your term paper and I'm not letting you graduate or whatever. So I thought that was kind of neat that Dr. Flox was there. But then uh, randomly I was like looking at it and there's a scene where a guy goes out to go, you know, skateboard and drunk cause he found, he found out that he's dying of cancer or whatever. So he's all messed up and he's drunk at the prom and he's out with these two goofballs. And I was looking at one of the goofballs and I'm like, is that, and I'm all, no. And I'm all, it is. 
And I'm like, it's, you know, Spike Skullovich from Power Rangers Samurai. So I'm all, oh, cool. So now, like, you know, Power Rangers Samurai and 90210, totally, like, you know, <laughs> crossover in the work. Yeah, that was my that was my awesome thing this week. Justin, why don't you go ahead and take it from me? Well, first, I'll, uh, I'll hope that there is a uh, Power Rangers Samurai Teen Pregnancy Crisis episode if they're going to do that. <laughs> um, I've actually got two cool things this week. The first one is uh, I've been watching the HBO miniseries The Pacific. Um, I'm totally a uh, history geek. Uh, I've always loved history, especially anything to do with World War II. And this is by the people who uh, made Band of Brothers. And it's it's really good. I'm only on the fourth episode, but I really dig it so far. Did you ever see uh, John Adams? No, I've, uh, I'll, there was a trailer for that before the Pacific came on. It looked really good. I'm going to try yeah, and pick I, it up next. I, I've not seen the Pacific. I might check it out because you mentioned it. But I, I really, really like the John Adams uh, miniseries that HBO did. Was that Paul Giamatti? Or? Yeah. 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 I, I got to see that. I love Paul Giamatti. So. Um, my second cool thing and I hate to repeat myself from a previous show, but uh, the latest Doctor Who episode was really cool. Uh, it was written by Neil Gaiman, and I've been looking forward to this episode since they announced it last year. And thankfully, he uh, he didn't let me down. It was a really fantastic episode. There was a lot of little, uh, little nods to you know even stuff going back to like the second Doctor, you know, way back in the '60s, and it was just a really really great episode. Oh, that's interesting. That that could actually get me to watch Doctor Who, Neil Gaiman. That's interesting. Doctor Who? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No one's cool. So Smallville, huh? I, I think we were we were saving it maybe. For yeah, a, it's like you you wouldn't like what I had to say. Yeah. That's what I was curious about. I was like, wait, is that kind of like oh, nobody liked it. <laughs> I, I dislike it, but I, I, I think the only thing I would say to Mike is that at least he has an excuse because he hasn't been watching it for 10 years, so I could see where you know people might have some, some problems with it. But I think if you, if you didn't have a problem with it as far back as Season 4 and now you're going to complain about it by Season 10, well then, you know, it's, it's like too late, you know? <laughs> you, you either got used to it or you didn't, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to get used to it. I just never did. No, but see, to me, that's fair. Like, you never got used to it, so obviously you're not going to be used to the final episode. But for the people that kind of complain and could vetch and moan about it, but we're still watching it the whole way through, I'm like, uh, you know, even I did that from time to time, but eventually I gave up. Like, I think by season eight, I'm like, look, this is just its own own thing, you know? I, I can't, you know, compare it to anything else, and I just have to let it go, you know? That's cool. Cool. It seems so, like the elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. I have no opinion because I've never seen a single episode. I completely forgot about that Doctor Who episode, though. And after <laughs> Neil Gaiman had been pimping it on on Facebook for what seemed like a solid month. I don't I don't follow his Facebook, but I follow his. Uh, he's got a blog, and he's been talking about it quite a bit. So I was really pleased that it you know it didn't let me down since I've been looking forward to it for a year. He didn't need an overhype it for you, huh? Yeah. Like that's it, cool. It, it that's was, good, though, that, that, that something like that, you know, that he promoted it and everything. And it's nice because sometimes, you know, like those things get hyped to the gills and then you're you're really let down. So. Yeah, I was kind of afraid of it, but it, it was totally, uh, it was worth the wait. He 
was saying that he was advertising it on, uh, he's like, if you haven't heard about it yet from my advertising it on Facebook, Twitter, my blog, or just <laughs> walking down the streets yelling it at people, uh, don't forget to watch it. <laughs> I'm like, I could, I could picture him doing that. Yeah. Holy crap, I got to write an episode of Doctor Who. They, uh, over in Britain, they have like a 30-minute show that comes on after Doctor Who called Doctor Who Confidential that's just behind the scenes. And I'm probably going to watch the one with, uh, about his episode because it has like, you know, interviews with him and stuff. And, uh, I watched a little clip where he was like, he was really giddy about it. He was like, I can't believe I'm in the TARDIS. He's like, my natural instinct is just to, uh, to steal a TARDIS and go fight evil and explore time and space. And he was totally geeking out. It was kind of, it was kind of funny to see someone like that get all excited. Yeah, he's kind of like the anti Alex Ross. Yeah. Like, um, amazing work. And not batshit crazy. Yeah. Although he should be. <laughs> that guy should be batshit crazy. Oh, I guess maybe he just passed it all off on Alan Moore. Yeah, lucky for us, he's not. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, go! All right. I would like to thank our guest tonight, Kevin P. Rich. By the way, I didn't even, like, throw his name out on the box out forums. You can know him also as Professor Smooth. Great guy. Thanks for all the information you let us know about like Japanese culture this evening. It's kind of eye-opening to know that what we may assume is not always correct. However, we do have to go tonight, and I would like to thank everybody for being here, not just you, sir. Uh, my name is Tony. You may know me. Again, it's Chain Claw, but all my other fan holes. Let's go ahead and get out of here, guys. Sound off. This is Brian. I'm known as Breakdown. <laughs> Hey, what's up? This is Derek. I'm known as Derek WC. I do believe I'm Mike, and I do believe I'm Thunderwing. I could be Justin. I could be Grimlock. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. By the way, just to let you fans know who are still listening, and you always will listen, because come on. This is one of the greatest fan holes podcast events ever. Gestiction Agenda. It's not over yet. We still have... More guests coming, more fun, more fun topics to talk about. So tune in next week. Peace and love. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, love. <laughs>